The Hibschman Experience, episode 38. Listener questions, number one. So I got this uh, question from a listener who, after the first two or three episodes of my coverage of the Warring States era came out, and the description of the battles and the amount of troops deployed and the amount of casualties involved in all of the subsequent battles, the question came up, how did the daimyo, the the Japanese lords, treat their troops? What was the uh, samurai view of death or death in battle? Did the lords mourn uh, the loss of their troops? And to be honest, how did commanders treat their troops is actually kind of a good question for each warrior culture that I've covered so far. I did a very brief episode on the Vikings. I did a couple on the the Greeks, the Romans, now the Samurai. So, death, or to be more specific, a glorious death, was something to be sought after by most of these warrior cultures. The Vikings, they believed they would ascend into Valhalla if they fought and died well in battle. The ancient Greeks viewed it as one of the greatest acts of service they could give for their country. There was the Spartan saying of, come back with your shield or on it. The Romans, I don't know if they, I haven't seen them with the same fervor as, say, the Vikings when it comes to seeking death in battle, but they were still very forthgoing in terms of battle to the point where cowardice in battle was definitely uh, a no-no in the Roman world. Punishment for cowardice was execution by a variety of means. But now we come to the samurai, but to tackle this question specifically of how did the daimyo, what was the relationship between the daimyo and the troops like, I first want to tackle these three kind of parts of the question actually by bringing an American quote in here, and it was by Lieutenant Ronald Spears, who served in the Airborne during World War II. In a conversation that Lieutenant Spears had with Private Blythe, Blythe confides in Spears that when he when he parachuted and he landed on D-Day, um, he was just lying in a ditch, and he just stayed there, and he was not looking for the rest of the Union or Union the unit because he was scared. Spears responds to Blythe saying, "Quote." We're all scared. You hid in that ditch because you think there's still hope, but Blythe, the only hope you have is to accept the fact that you're already dead. The sooner you accept that, the sooner you'll be able to function 
as a soldier is supposed to function. Without mercy, without compassion, without remorse. All war depends upon it. End quote. Now, while that's a little cold, it was not meant to be mean to Private Blythe. It was meant to give him the right mindset, because they're at war. And fear is not useful to an army. It can be contagious and demoralizing in a strange way, especially if you're going to be in a war, I would think. I've obviously never been in one myself, but to me, that's sort of being a medic of the mind. And this sentiment expressed by Lieutenant Spears has been similarly said by some of the daimyo that I've covered. Kenshin Uesugi, the dragon of Echigo, he said, quote, Those who are reluctant to give up their lives and embrace death are not true warriors. Go to the battlefield firmly confident of victory, and you will come home with no wounds whatsoever. Engage in combat fully determined to die, and you will be alive. Wish to survive in the battle, and you will surely meet death. When you leave the house determined not to see it again, you will come home safely. When you have any thought of returning, you will not return. You may not be in the wrong to think that the world is always subject to change, but the warrior must not entertain this way of thinking, for his fate is always determined. End quote. Kenshin is basically saying the medieval Japan version of what Lieutenant Spears was saying to Private Blythe. And of course, I can't bring up a quote from Kenshin without also bringing up one from his rival Shingen, expressing a very similar sentiment about the duty of a soldier. Shingen said, quote, Everyone knows that if a man doesn't hold filial piety toward his own parents, he would also neglect his duties toward his lord. Such neglect means disloyalty toward humanity. Therefore, such a man doesn't deserve to be called samurai. End quote. So that's a brief reiteration of the samurai view of death and battle and service. But how did the daimyo treat the samurai? How did they treat their troops? They obviously rewarded the soldiers who served them. And in almost a kind of form of meritocracy, the better you served, the greater the reward. But everyone was rewarded with something. Supporting armies of samurai was expensive. So if the daimyo couldn't buy armor and weapons for the troops, they were compensated in some other form, either with land, some sort of gift, or just food. Now the question of mourning at the loss of life. I couldn't find a direct answer about the daimyo mourning their troops. But I found a story, and it is historical, 
that might inform on this answer. It's of an instance of what the troops did because of the death of their lord. And this is called the case of the 47 Ronin. The account occurred in 1701, which is about 100 years after the establishment of the Tokugawa shogunate, and it goes as follows, quote, The incident began in April 1701, when imperial envoys from Kyoto arrived in Edo, the capital of the shogunate. Three provincial daimyo were appointed to receive them, including Asano Naganori from Eiko. Because these men were ignorant of court etiquette, they were directed to consult Kira Yoshinaka, a retainer of the shogun and an expert in such matters. The other two daimyo gave Kira lavish presents to ensure his cooperation, but Asano offered only a token gift. Kira was apparently annoyed and expressed his displeasure by constantly taunting the inexperienced Asano. The latter finally gave way to his pent-up wrath, and on April 21, 1701, in the audience hall of the shogun's palace, he flew at Kira with his dirk. Kira escaped with minor wounds, but Asano's gross breach of etiquette enraged shogun Tokugawa Suniyoshi, who ordered Asano to commit seppuku the same day. Word of the unhappy event reached Eiko five days later. The domain was to be confiscated by the shogun, and Asano's retainers, headed by Oishi Yoshio, at once met to determine their future actions. They were now ronin, or masterless samurai, and without a clear means of support. Some favored resisting if the castle had to be yielded. Others swore an oath to disembowel themselves before the castle gate. Oishi, however, counseled caution, and his view prevailed. The castle was surrendered on May 26th. For over a year, Oishi and other retainers lived in, a, in apparent retirement. Oishi passed much time in the leisure quarters of Kyoto, leading so dissolute a life that Kira's spies were convinced that he entertained no thought of revenge. In the autumn of 1702, Oishi decided to strike. He and 46 other ronin, including his son, gathered in Edo. On the night of January 30th, 1703, they attacked Kira's mansion, forced their way in, and killed their hated adversary. That night, they offered up his head at Asano's grave. When the shogun learned of the vendetta, he was sympathetically disposed to Oishi, but finally decided that the 47 ronin could not be allowed to take the law into their own hands. They were accordingly ordered to disembowel themselves on March 20th, 1703. This incident created an immense stir in Japan. The samurai virtues, seemingly forgotten during the long years of peace, asserted themselves again. Innumerable poems and essays described the vendetta, and by 1844, no fewer than 47 plays had been written about the ronin. End quote. So yes, I, I do believe that there were lords, there were daimyo who did care about their troops. I think they had to have had 
a good relationship with them, especially for an incident like this to occur. Because I don't think 47 Masterless Samurai would take two years to avenge their lord if their lord wasn't good to them. Obviously, there are figures throughout history who are bad apples in every society. I mean, look at Rome. Rome was filled to the brim over its history with tyrants and benevolent leaders. You win some, you lose some. The samurai and their daimyo were no different. Their lords, the daimyo, did care. They had to have. And in this case, especially for 47 ronin, to take the law into their own hands. So I hope that answered your question, if not fully, at least partially. I hope to answer more listener questions, and if you have them, send them my way. And until next time, as always, thanks for listening.